So today we're going to continue the series. We're calling it the One Series. Uh, we only have two weeks left. Let's see. I'm going to push a couple of these. There we go. And um, I want to remind you uh, the memory verse. We only have one week for this memory verse. And it's from Ephesians 4, 4 through 6. And I'm going to put it up on the screens here just to say it to you. But it says, there's one body and one spirit. This is kind of what we're talking about. Just as you were called to one hope. That's what we sing about. When you were called one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. It's this immersive reality of who God is. And, um, and I, I, we've been reflecting on that passage. I hope you have been too. And um, remembering that, if nothing else, that we are called to one hope. And there's a lot of things in our lives that will compete for our attention. But we're called to one hope, and that's in Jesus Christ. Maybe you don't agree with me today. I, I used to not agree with that either. But God changed my heart. He has the, he's the only one who has the power to do that. Today we're going to talk about this idea. And we talked last week about the Big C Church and celebrating what God is doing all over the world. And he's doing so much more than you can imagine right now. I mean, matter of fact, one of the things that's funny to me was whenever, like, um, talking heads... And I know I'm kind of one of them, I get that. But they, they proclaim things about God as if they speak over God. Um, but that's not the reality. And uh, I, I celebrate um, God because he, will, he won't be stopped. Like, he won't be stopped. Um, he loves us too much. The gospel will be shared. Uh, sometimes we can think of this, you know, and that's one of those count, counterintuitive thoughts is that... Um, we can lament, or we can, oh, lament's a big word, right? I don't know if it is or not, but you know, we, we, can, we can go, oh, what's going to happen? But God is sovereign, and he knows exactly what's going on. And he's spoken over all of your lives, and, and, and that matters. And if you're listening to him, the narrative you hear is different. Well, this week we're talking about being on a team. And I don't know if any of you have ever been on a team before. Like, I always think about growing up in school and stuff, you know, maybe being on a team when you were in the elementary levels was a really good experience for you, right? For like 10 of you, and for the rest of us, it was a really bad experience. Or maybe, you know, middle school uh, teams the first time when they actually started competing with one another, maybe that was a different look for you, and you had to, you know, be on the basketball team and show up for practice and all that. Um, you know, for me, it was probably most profound whenever I went into corporate America, and I was part of an organization that actually functioned as teams. And so you were evaluated individually, but you were evaluated as a team. How are you succeeding or failing together as much as individually? Everywhere in our lives, we're asked about being part of a team or, you know, will you join our team? And um, today we're going to talk about the reality that Jesus' Jesus's own life and his prayer, and we're going to talk about that in John 17, is that we'd be one in him. But he does send teams out into the world. And... and with a purpose and a mission, a direction, an identity. And we're going to talk about that today. I'm going to confess something to you as we get into the word today. I'm not sure where this is going. You know, it's like really funny because God's talking to us and I don't claim to be a special prophet or anything like that, but I am listening for God's word. I hope you are too today for our lives in a very real way. And so for all the stuff that we've thought is coming, for all the preparation we may have made, I pray that today we will hear God speak to us as only he can. Pray with me as we enter into the word of God today. Uh, Father, we thank you so much for your beauty and your majesty and who you are. Uh, the fact that we get to celebrate you, get to clap our hands, learn how to clap our hands, Father, because you're worthy of praise. I praise you so much because... You're worthy. And all of my brothers and sisters here praise you because you're worthy. You've redeemed us uh, just from complete 
lostness, from complete alienation from you. You've redeemed us as your people. And that's a beautiful thing to us, and we celebrate you so much. We thank you for the work you're doing in our lives. And Lord, it doesn't mean life is easy, but today I pray as we come into your presence, we would set things aside just for a minute. If we could just put our burdens down and listen to what you would say to us, may we be the kind of people who would care more about what you say about us than what we think or say about each other or ourselves. May we be kind of people who are marked as your disciples. And may we celebrate you and who you are and depend on you every day. You're so good and you're so worthy of praise. May that be our last breath. You are so good and so worthy of praise. We give you praise and glory for the work you're going to do, you continue to do, and you've already done. In the powerful name of Jesus Christ, amen. Well, I'm going to share this first verse. This comes from the Gospel of John. We've been studying it for a while, and um, if you've been here, it's been about six weeks, I think, now, in this uh, few passages. Um, but it's Jesus' prayer for believers. And I just wanted to um, start here with verse 22. This is what Jesus says about us, those who would believe in the message of the apostles which by the grace of God, we are some, okay? He says this, I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. And I know last week we talked about all the things that God's doing in the world and how we got to get it wrong in church life and, and uh, you know, are more worried about how we're different than how we're the same with other believers, um, that we can seem to, oh, and how do we do that? How do we get united in Christ? How can we, and you, you know, that's what I'm saying about upside down thinking. You go, there is no way I can think that way. And you'd be right were it not for Christ himself. I mean, there's no way on my own I could love people properly were it not for Christ himself. And I think that's what the gospel teaches us. And so today he says, I give them my glory and I've talked to you about that a few weeks ago, about what that means, the doxa, you know, the glory of God. But he's literally given it to his church. If you're a believer in Christ, you must, you should wrestle with the fact that God, that Jesus in his prayer says, I have given them my glory. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that's what he says, that they may be one as you and I are one. And so I'm telling you, and we're going to talk about some stuff today, but as those things come up and they're hard and they don't sit right and you're wondering, how can I do this? I want you to remember that Christ has given us his glory. If only we would just live in that space with Jesus. He has given us the way forward. So we're going to talk about that some more. I'm, I'm going to... Um, all these things that we do in worshiping God is, is just a returning of his glory to himself. As I've already told you, so he's fielding some teams, okay? And I want to talk about the, what that means today, to be on a team together a little bit. And uh, Scripture does a great job of this. But I put on here, and this is my first mistake of the morning, okay? I put on here, Jesus fields one team. And that's true, he fields a team. But there are teams of people doing things. I mean, we talk about that. When you're called to a mission or a purpose, you gather for a while, I was really struck last week, and I don't know if any of you had a chance to encourage someone that doesn't attend Family Bible Church in their faith in Christ, you know, not for any goal of our own, but just to say, praise God, I hope you're growing as a follower of Jesus. I, I, I've been praying for you all week. Um, but the reality is that um, he, he's fielding multiple teams to do a purpose, and I was struck by this last week. I think about the letters, we're going to read one of them today, uh, 1 Corinthians, written to the church in Corinth. And, and if you go and you look, you go, where is that church today? like the church in Corinth. We read that letter that was written to us, and it is 
but where is that church today? Or, or any church that we have. Family Bible, where, where is Family Bible going to be for eternity? Family Bible Church. And this is what strikes me. That, that there's no overarching purpose but to make disciples of God's people. Like the, the organization itself has no intrinsic value were it not for the people of God who are in it. The team that God's called together. And that's a stunning truth, like, because we, we can celebrate those things so much. Um, and yet the truth is that if, if we aren't becoming disciples and making disciples, it serves no purpose. And I would say this, if it's made disciples and it ceases to exist, it has served this purpose, making disciples of all nations. And we're going to talk about that next week, what it looks like, um, our, 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 um, our mission in this world. God has really been challenging us on some things that I want to share with you, so I'm excited to do that. So how does, what does it mean to be part of this one team? Well, I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bibles, if you would, to 1 Corinthians 12. And uh, this, again, is the same letter we studied last week. I didn't plan that. This way God kind of led me to this um, scripture. And I want to talk about these things um, together, starting in verse 1. I'm going to read through the first 11 verses here, and we're going to talk about that a little bit. And we're going to talk about the stuff that comes after it, okay? This is what the word says. This is Paul writing to the church in Corinth and all those who are calling on the name of Christ, which would include us. Now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or the other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I tell you that no one who is speaking by the spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, miraculous powers, and to another, prophecy, to another, distinguishing between spirits, and to another, speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still to another, interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He gives them to each other just as He determines. The, fir the first thing that Paul starts off with here is talking about, and I, I love this, but he says about spiritual things. And it's not really, we, and this translation says spiritual gifts, but it means spiritual matters, the things of the Spirit, you know. The Bible says that uh, you can't understand the things of the Spirit were it not for the Spirit of God in you. We need God's assistance to even understand what he's saying to us. And Paul's talking here about spiritual things. He says, I don't want you to be ignorant. And why? Because some of you have been influenced and led astray by mute idols. And I just want to take just a minute and talk about the tendency we have to be distracted by things that are not God. They can be good things and they can become idols in our life, but they're not God. And, and you know, you even heard him say, um, in a, he says, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit of God. That, that's that submission to um, the coach or the manager or the boss or the ruler or the king. Whatever, whatever connects for you with someone you're subservient to, Paul says in God's spirit, that is our position. And we have a tendency to submit ourselves to other things and not to Jesus himself. I am convinced 
that if we were to submit ourselves to Jesus himself in our lives, both individually and, and together, we would accomplish God's purpose. And how great would it be in your life to do what God has put you here to do? But you can only do that if you're submitting to Christ. And Paul says there's a tendency to turn away to false idols. I love what he calls them. He says mute. Gods that can't speak back. You know one sign in your life that you're not following the real God is that you are commanding the God what to do. We love gods like that, gods in our own image, that we can manipulate their mouth and tell them what to say to us, but they're, they can't speak on their own. Paul says we have a tendency to turn away. What does that say about God? Then God is speaking over your life. And you, and you might be here and you go, I don't buy it, man. I don't agree with that. But listen, God is speaking over your life. He is. And the question is, are we listening? Do, do we even care to understand the spiritual things? Are we choosing to turn ourselves aside to false gods? Well, there's a warning here right away about it, and this is to the church. He says, be careful. Don't turn to gods that can't speak back. Listen for the, the voice of God. Well, the Spirit of God says, Jesus is Lord. That's a beautiful thing. In verse 4, then he goes on. He says this. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. Different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works in all people. And this is a beautiful thing. And what this means is, I'll turn you up there. Look at that. That um, God gives all of us different gifts. Now, if you are thinking strategically about how to put a team on the field or how to put a team out in corporate America or even how to have a middle school basketball team that's not completely awkward, right? You'd want different gifts. You'd want different gifts, wouldn't you? But I don't know if you're, if you're a middle school basketball team. I'm a little bitter and I apologize right now for that. I worked it hard, all the practices. But you know who got the ball? That one kid that could score. Did you grow up in a system like that? Like where the coach is like, listen, here's the plan, okay? Just throw the ball in and get it to Chris. <laughs> then just get out of the way because he can do it all. And, and the, the beautiful thing is right away is that Paul's writing to the church and he's like, listen, if God's calling you on the floor, he needs people with different gifts. And as a matter of fact, it says he's given each their own gifts for his purpose. Everyone has a part to play. The analogy might break down for you. You might go, well, now wait a minute. I, I thought this was about I come and I listen and I come and I, I, I'm fed, you know, and I, I, I wait for someone to bring me a morsel from the kingdom of God. But see, that's a, a broken view of what God is doing in your life because you have the king of kings speaking over you and you have the spirit of God residing in you if you believe that Jesus died for your sins. And if that's the case, then you don't need to come and get scraps. You can go to the king and receive your blessing, your inheritance. You can live into your gifts, and you can be on the field or on the court or in the boardroom serving God. Man, that's a different way to look at being part of a team. He says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. Different kinds of service, but the same Lord. Like he's commanding all of us together. Different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. That's an amazing truth. And maybe it's different than what you're used to. The second thing I, I want to point out to you comes in verse 6. Let's see, here we go. Is that these gifts are to be used together, right? 
So if you were Chris in middle school and you always got the ball and scored, you would have a tendency to look around and, and see people who aren't necessary except to get the ball inbounds. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just give me the ball. Give me the ball. I'm not picking on that dude. He could shoot, right? I mean, he's a good player. You know, the guy in the, in the, in the boardroom that can close the deal. I mean, someone, if you talk about in Christian circles, someone who can share the gospel better than you or someone who has more friends or is more winsome than you are. Maybe someone who has more spiritual knowledge. Maybe someone who has better understanding of scripture than you do. And, and we can look at those people and say, well, they got it all. They don't, they don't need anyone else. Funny thing in this life that we all live together is that we can look at people and really believe they have it figured out, that they, they don't need anyone else. They've got it all. Do you ever do that? Do you ever look at people and go, man, they got everything. If I had that, boy, what I would do if I had that? But they don't have it all. See, everyone has been given a different gift, and they're all to be used together. And I don't care who you are. And I don't care how much money you make or how much money you don't make. God has a plan for you and your life. It's just real. And, and this is his truth. And we are called to be used together. Look at verse 6 with me, if you would. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. I want to skip down to verse 11. All these, what? All those things he listed, you know, knowledge and wisdom and uh, faith and healing and miraculous powers, prophecy, distinguishing between spirits. I mean, the discernment is a gift, tongues, interpretation. All of these things are the work of one and the same spirit. And here it is. He gives each, uh, he gives them to each one just as he determines. I don't know if you get excited about that, but I'm pretty excited about that, that God has some things he gave me. But my gifts are not to be used all by myself, and neither are yours. They're to be used on a team, amongst his people, to accomplish his purpose. And it's hard for us, if, if maybe you've, you've not felt that way about yourself, what could I do? What part do I play? That's going to be a hard thing for you to understand, that you, have, you bring the most, we're talking about that, maybe the most important thing to the table. Upside down, man. Jesus is different in this world. And if you're on the other side of that and you don't think you need to be used with, I can do it all by myself. Me and Jesus got this. That's not what the Bible says. All these things he gives to each one just as he determines what? For his work. All these things are the work of the one and true spirit. It's an awesome, awesome truth, okay? And then I want to hit this too before we get out of these first 11 verses. This is... Um, they're to be used to carry each other. Now, you might say, what? Carry each other? <clears throat> I love this. In verse 7, it says this in NIV. It says, now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. I want to point out two things about this verse. First of all, manifestation of the Spirit is one word. It's, it's charisma. It's like a, another version of charisma, but it's charisma is the root word, right? This, the charismas are given, right? That this um, presence of God's goodness, the stuff that we can't do without God, like anything good, anything that is truly good, we cannot do apart from God and his gifts. To each one, manifestation of the Spirit, the charismas, is given for the common good. 
and common good, I was so disappointed. And I, I know I'm not a Bible translator, interpreter, or whatever, you know. But when I read that, I thought, man, that just doesn't connect with me. Like the common good, that sounds so like, I don't know, squishy or whatever. Like, what does that mean, the common good? There's a bunch of different ways it can be translated. It can be translated as the profit of all, for the profit of all, right? You've maybe heard it said if you've been in church for a while that the, the gifts given you are for the benefit of the body of Christ, the other believers in Jesus, right? I love this. The, the translation, or the, um, the word is um, with carrying, with a gathering, with, with a, a, a huddling up, a lifting up. Have you ever seen a team when they get ready to take the field or they get done taking the field and they all circle up? Sometimes they put their arms over each other, you know? Maybe you've been in those business meetings where you've succeeded and you've, your company's done something awesome and you've like high-five people in the boardroom for a minute because you forgot you were at work. You know what I mean? You're like, yeah, we did it. That's awesome. And somehow, and I've experienced this in life, but it's more powerful, much more powerful in the kingdom of God that if we were all sharing our gifts and we're all doing these things together, that somehow we are carried on one another. We're carried together. The Spirit's gifts given to us. Why? So we can gather up and we can carry ourselves forward in Christ. That somehow, together, we're more than apart. That somehow, he's doing something in us that he could not do. It was just me and him in the woods. That's a difficult thing. Because you might be comfortable say, man, I don't know if I, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I need Jesus, let alone need the church, right? And some of you go, I need Jesus, but I don't need the church, <laughs> That's not what the Bible says. It says this gift has been given to carry us for the common good, for the profiting of all, that we would all be better by using our gifts and, man, encouraging one another. Now, Paul's getting into some, some territory here where he's trying to correct the church and what they've been doing. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. But you can't miss it, this idea of carrying one another forward. Matter of fact, it's symphoron, and it reminds you of a symphony. We've talked about this before, right? I mean, have you ever heard somebody play just a tuba? Have you? I have. <laughs> right, John? I've heard it. <laughs> Blap, blap, blap. <laughs> I love it, man. Like in the marching band, I'm down. I dig it, right? But if you listen to it by themselves, blap, you know. The trumpet can get away a little bit, you know. You know what I mean? Whatever. I don't know how trumpets go. You know, saxophone. Hey. <laughs> That's what saxophones sound like, by the way. Hey, baby. <laughs> That's why all the high school boys want to play it. I want one of those. Yeah. That's right. I couldn't play saxophone either. <laughs> you know. But all of a sudden, when these gifts are gathered together and there's one person directing them, all of a sudden it begins to sound full or beautiful. Or you say, I didn't know a tuba could sound that good or a trumpet, right? I mean, this is what God is doing is gathering his people together with their giftedness to celebrate what he's done. Everyone playing their part. I mean, I'm so convinced about this the Spirit. We get so hung up on this idea. I think it's funny that the word gifts isn't here yet. Like, we get so hung up on this idea. We, we, we externalize it from Scripture. But these were given, these spiritual manifestations, these charismas were given to sing with the choir of angels, to join in all creation, singing praise to God. He goes through there, all the different gifts 
that have been given. I'm not going to enumerate them. I want to move on. We're going to press on into verse 12. Listen to what Paul says next. The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts. And though all of its parts are many, they form one body. And so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. No, Paul's just pressing on this idea. We are one in Christ. We have one common faith history. We have one salvation story. We are one body in Jesus or one unit together in Jesus with many parts in it. Um, and and I, just, I think that's a beautiful thing. Um, I don't know. I want to say two things here, okay? The first is this, that we talked last week about the Big C Church, and I think this is true. You ever heard about scalability? Like, you, you build something that's scalable, and it's true when it's small, and it's true when it's big. I think that the Bible and its principles are always scalable, right? They, they apply, and, they, and you, when, you, when you can pull out, and you can try to see a bigger picture, you see it. So I think it is true in the Big C Church that every team is called to their own purpose or mission, but I think when you get into the little C church, we would call it like the local congregations, that God has a purpose for that church, a purpose for us together as a team to do. And, and so when he says there are many parts for one body, that's true. And again, if you can just kind of imagine pulling back on that, we're in, and if we're all, say you got a friend group, and five of you are doing what Jesus is calling you to do. That's awesome. And you're all doing exactly. But then you five function in the larger context of church or churches. And then God's working there. And then you pull back and you see the church is working together in a community. And God's working there. And then you pull back and you see him working in a nation. And God's working there. And you pull back and you see him on the planet working to to save all people for all time. And you're like, wow, God's working in all these things at once. But it starts with individual believers believing that they have gifts from God. Or just receiving it. Just asking God. What would you have me do? Where would you have me go? I love the way the Bible asks those questions. One unit with many parts. So it's true on it's scalable, small scale and large scale that we've been given these gifts for a purpose. Verse 14, love this. Now, the body is made up of one part, but not one part, but many, right? And then here's what he says. Look at Paul. He's going to start teaching here. He's going to say, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease being part of the body. Or if the ear would say, because I am not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease being part of the body. And then he goes on to say, if the whole body were an eye, were there, would there, where would the sense of hearing be? Or if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Man, that's powerful too, right? God has arranged the parts of the body just as he wanted them to be. As he, beforehand, he put us in place as he wanted us to be. And we can live into that. I, I think um, this next point is this, that we're um, to carry each other, but that we, we're needing each other, Right? I, I love that Paul has to teach this and say, listen, just because you're an ear doesn't mean everybody's an ear. Or just because you're an eye doesn't mean everybody's an eye, right? Because how could the body function with all eyes or all ears or all feet or all hands? And, and this works both ways. I already talked about it a little bit. But if you see that person that is the hand and you go, man, I'm out of hand, and you believe that lie that God can't use you, that's not true. That's unbiblical. You are who God made you to be. So be that person, be that part. 
And the same is true. If you are a hand and you look at the foot and you go, I don't really need feet. That's not true. You do need feet. I'm convinced as we look at the, the church global, I think it's so amazing what God is doing. And the unity of believers, his prayer for the people, that we would be one in him, that the same problems we have on a massive scale we have in every little church. Every little church. Because we don't think that the other person is necessary for our Christian walk. We don't believe that that's true. God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Here, he goes on. Let's read some more. He says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. 22, on the contrary, on the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for one another. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. And if one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. That we need each other. But the second thing is, I want to, from the section here is this, that we are celebrating our diversity, right? I mean, it has to go beyond just tolerating one another and our differentness. And I'm just telling you, as one of you, right, it's hard to be around people who aren't like you. Do you agree with that? Like, it's hard because you, you just, you don't get each other sometimes, you know? It's a real difficult thing. And yet, the truth is that he says, you know, the, the feet shouldn't say, I don't need you. I don't need you at all. All this goes back, and th this is a big faith question. Like, who are you going to submit to in your life? Like, are you following a God of your own making? Where people who don't agree with you don't have a place? Because you know exactly all the truth from God? Or are you following a God who is sovereign and you believe that put people in your life for a purpose? And even if that purpose means that you have a hard time being together, that you stay because you believe that God is in that, that that's going to matter later for everyone, that somehow serving him together will change us. Not, see, not just even for the purpose, but would change us for who God wants us to become. A special placement. Man, I tell you what, I know I'm speaking to a culture that doesn't believe most of this stuff. They think life's an accident. They think things are crazy, and they think no rules and doesn't matter. Like, that's what the world's preaching right now, right? I mean, it's completely contrary to what God's Word says, that He's placed you where He wants you to be. And yet, the truth is that only a divine appointment, only a godly intervention, only a God-sized intervention will save us, will fulfill us in our lives, will make this life worth living. I pray that you're seeking that in your life. I pray that you're looking for that. Let me ask you a question. I mean, look around right now today. You had some time before we worship today together to kind of check out the room, see who's here, see who's not here. Who do you see that's just weak? Weak. You know what I mean? Oh, boy. I can't believe I'm here with them. Do you see anybody today like that? 
How many of you looked around and thought, you know, I'm supposed to be here. This is my spot. You know what I mean? Or how many of you looked around and thought, they belong here, but I don't? This is their place, but not mine. Right? Making these earthly judgments about the things that God has foreordained, He's prepared in advance for us. God says it differently. He says the weaker things are greater. Oh my gosh. Have you ever been in a room where all the loudmouths are talking all the time? You know what I mean? And the Holy Spirit finally has had enough and is like, and you finally stop believing that you're so important for a moment. And there's a quiet person that says the most profound thing. And you go, where did you come from? Where have you been my whole life? God says the weaker parts have greater honor in his kingdom. I mean, what would it look like if the people of God stormed the gates of hell and then showed up at heaven and said, look, we did it, but we left all the weak behind. Do you think Jesus would weep over there? You left who? Behind? My people that I love, who do you think you are? Humbling himself, coming in the very form of a servant. Jesus is among us. We gotta listen. We gotta listen. It says God put the body together. And we should honor that and respect that and celebrate that. And that's a God-sized task. I'm not picking on you. That's a God-sized task in our lives. Well, the final thing I want to say is this. It's in verse 27. I love this. Listen to the promise. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. I want to spend just a minute saying this. This letter is written for the saints who are believing in Jesus, who are calling out in his name right? Jesus prayed the prayer for all those who would believe in me. And Paul writes here and he says, you are the body of Christ. You are, and each of you is part of it, each one. And that means that's true for you and for me if we believe in Jesus, man, that we're part of it. We're not all of it, we're part of it. I praise God for that. Verse 28, he goes on, in the church, God has appointed first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then workers of miracles, also the gifts of healing, those able to help others with gifts of administration, those who speak in different kinds of tongues. And he says this, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all have gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret? Those are all rhetorical questions. No. Nobody does it all. And this is what he says, but eagerly desire the greater gifts and this is the final kind of blank we have today, is that we're called to share in God's love. Now, here's another squishy thing. I want to get away from squishy, right? Sharing God's love sounds kind of so out there, so weak. The truth is, when we think about what we're called to do in the world, we're called to tell others that God loves them. But man, we're called to believe that God loves us. That means as part of his body, you're called to believe that God has you where he wants you for a purpose because he loves you. He's not punishing you. He's not got you stuck there. 
He loves you and he knows you're there for a reason. And you can believe him and believe in him for that promise. Paul calls it the most uh, excellent way. It comes, and now I will show you the most excellent way. And the entire next chapter of this book is written about love, love, love. What it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. I remind of the fact that the Bible says, you know how people will know you're my disciples? Because you're the best looking people? Or because you're the most knowledgeable of scripture? Or because you're the, in front of the church and everybody's looking at you? Or because you're in the back of the church and you never make a big stink about yourself? <laughs> you know what I mean? Nope. Because you love one another. Mark of a disciple. You'll love one another. That's what the Bible says. Going back to the Gospel of John, this is what it, next verse. May they be brought to complete unity. This is Jesus' prayer. To let the world know that you sent me and have loved them. To let the world know that you sent me and have loved them. I think sharing in God's love is more than just going out and sharing in God's love. I think it's believing that God has love for us. Believing that God has love for me. And being okay with that spot. Believing that if you invite someone else into your little circle, God's not going to run out of room. He's going to go, well, it was fine until they were here, but now that they're here, you're out. To share in God's love. And to find, not just think, to find that space together where we become God's holy people. Submitted fully unto him. Using our gifts for his glory. I pray that's where we're heading. Not, not family Bible church only, but the church. I pray that's where we're heading. We can truly share God's love together. I'm going to ask you to pray with me. I'm going to pray for a few of you who maybe don't believe in Jesus today. You can pray with me if you want. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to pray for all believers. Uh, join me if you would. Father, today we give you praise and thanks for your worthiness, for who you are, for the way you move and the truth you proclaim over us. And I pray, Father, so much a prayer of thanks for the salvation that we did not earn or deserve, that, that we were completely broken and screwed up and thought we were miles from you, and yet you were right there to redeem us, that you were our very present need. I give you praise and glory for that. I pray for my brothers and sisters today who don't believe you. They just don't, Father. They don't think you're real. They don't think Jesus died for them. They don't think they're part of the team. I pray that today you would do a mighty work in their life that would be for your glory. Not man. We don't need to see it. That you would do it for real in their heart and their life. That today would be the day that they would say, I was changed. God reached me today. Would you do that work for your glory, for the good of your kingdom? We need your people. We need to be part of your team together. I pray, Father, for your glory, you would do that work. Father, we don't even know what to ask for. We don't even know how to ask. We don't even know where we're going. So we're going to ask you to lead us. Would you lead us in our lives right now? Would you challenge us for the places that we're totally stuck on ourselves? We just think we're everything to everybody. Or maybe we think we're nothing to nobody. Would you just beat those lies out of us? 
Help us to see who we are in you. For my brothers and sisters today here who don't think they have gifts, they don't think you've given them anything, I pray that today you'd let them know in their heart their giftedness. That you would challenge them, Father, to exercise them. I hear, I hear your challenge to me. Exercise them. Use the things I gave you. Celebrate the work I'm doing in your life. And we'd be a bold, proclaiming people about a God who would not leave us broken and defeated, but would deliver us into eternal salvation, into his kingdom. And Father, as we stand and we sing and we respond in song to you today, I pray that you would be glorified and that we would be totally submitted to you. Our final prayer today, you'd be Lord over all, King over all, and commanding our lives, ordering our lives, Father, for your glory. We pray this. In Jesus' holy name, amen.